All right, well, folks, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn it to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. Past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And this is what he says. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men know the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressed spiritually, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We're working through a series here at Chalmers called Speaking of Jesus where we're talking about how do we as Christians, as Christ followers, talk about Jesus. A couple weeks ago we talked about the importance of words and how we, we actually do need to talk about Jesus. Our actions, how we live our lives, they open the door for us to tell people about Jesus. But if we just base our lives on actions alone, no one will ever hear about Jesus. If we don't have any actions, but only words, we'll probably become hypocrites. So we need actions, but we also need those words. Today, the title of our message is, Just Give Them Jesus. I was toying with the idea of maybe putting a different title on, Jesus, no additives, no preservatives, no unnatural food coloring. Because the point today, if you get nothing out of today, this is the point. As Christians, when we speak, to, especially to non-Christians, but probably also just as we speak to, to other Christians, about Jesus, we should just give them Jesus. So often, we try to add 
so many other things into our message that our message gets so convoluted, so confusing, so biased that we miss out on the Jesus that we're trying to point to. And so today I want to start by by kind of helping us to see some of the things that we shouldn't do when we're trying to point to Jesus. Some of the baggage that we try to put on Jesus that Jesus never really wanted. Okay? The point is, we want to just point to Jesus. Okay? So, number one. Don't try to prove, defend, or argue for Christianity. Don't try to prove, defend, or argue for Christianity. By the way, probably all of these might be sore points for some of us. Because we've been just so, we've grown up in a culture where we think we need to defend, or we need to argue, or we need to to, to manipulate, or or whatever this might be. And, And the idea of just giving someone Jesus seems a little foreign. Don't try to prove, defend, or argue Christianity. Can we start with just a baseline and say Christianity is different than Jesus? Can we agree on that? Christianity is different than Jesus. Jesus is a person. Christianity is a set of beliefs. Jesus is a person. Christianity is a set of beliefs. Don't try to prove, defend, or argue Christianity. Christianity is a religion. Christianity is a set of beliefs that humanity has has kind of said, let's categorize ourselves as Christians. And those of us who are in the inner circle of Christians, we believe in this, 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 and this. We have creeds, we have mottos, we have statements of faith. This is what we need to believe in order to be Christians. Those things aren't bad but they're not Jesus. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where you're wanting to tell them about Jesus and they start asking you questions like, yeah, but why don't you Christians get along? Like, or, or, but, but Christianity has just done so many horrible things in our world. You know, how, how can you believe in a loving God when, when Christianity has been part of wars and atrocities and we start to get ourselves almost a little bit defensive and say, yeah, but that's not Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it just be beautiful if we could say, hey, I don't want to try to defend what people for 2,000 years have done when they've said that they've been trying to follow Jesus. I want to just show you Jesus. When we try to prove, defend, or argue Christianity, we're drawing lines in the sand. And we're saying, if you want to be a Christian, or if I want you to be a Christian, I need to get you on my side of the line. For so many years, Christianity has kind of said, this is what we want. We want people who are outside of the Christian faith, who are outside of the Christian religion, to come into our circle. This is kind of an us-them approach. We want people to come in to where we are. Because Jesus is inside. And so you might like pick one of these dots and you say, yeah, I'm in, in the Christian faith. And then you might look at your neighbor or someone else and you say, well, they're out of the Christian faith. And so we, we do all, all kinds of 
silly things to try to get them in to our circle. We might say, we want to tell you about Jesus, and as we tell you about Jesus, well, let me explain to you the, to you the Trinity, let me get some piece of paper out, let me get a gospel tract for you, and while I have that here, put on these headphones and you can listen to this Christian music, and, and we want to get you into our culture, our Christian culture. Jesus just wants us to follow him. There's a few problems with this model. Number one, it's not what Jesus asks us to do. Number two, once we get someone inside of the circle, we realize that we've actually created smaller circles inside. Where we say, wonderful, you, you have finally believed in Jesus. Welcome in to Christianity. Oh, but hold on a second. Have you been spirit-filled? Or what? Someone else inside the circle hasn't been spirit-filled? Well, then they're not really a Christian. Or have you been baptized as a believer? Or have you been baptized as an infant? Are you an evangelical Christian? Or are you a liberal Christian? What kind of music do you listen to? Do you listen to choruses? Do you listen to hymns? Do you stand up? Do you raise your hands? Do you, do you kneel? And, and we get so confused because we're trying to make more and more smaller circles to compartmentalize each other and to try to categorize each other. And none of this is what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus asks us to follow him. And when we follow him, we don't have to try to prove ourselves. We, need, we don't have to try to define ourselves. We don't have to try to argue which way is right and which way is wrong. The other beautiful thing about when you don't have to try to prove or defend or argue is that we don't have to bear the weight of a whole lot of people's poor decisions and poor ways of following Christ. Christianity as a religion has done some absolutely horrible things, has been part of horrible things. People who call themselves Christians but weren't following Jesus have been bombing each other, have been killing each other. You can think about the conflicts in North and South Ireland. Think about the apartheid. Think about the Crusades. Think about the Salem witch trials. Total side note, I was at my parents' house this weekend, and my mom's into, really big into like this whole like family tree thing, and she found out that I'm actually related to three people who were tried and convicted of being witches in Salem. That is just really weird. Now, has nothing to do with anything. But people burnt my relatives. Come on, people. When I was in high school, there was a quirky, eccentric, odd fellow. He was my friend. I was quirky, odd, eccentric sometimes, too. And this guy was, was awkward and, and knew I was a Christian. He certainly wasn't. And, we, and he would try to, like, debate with me and, like... And I was big into, like, I, I need to, like, prove Christianity. And so, like, I was trying to, like, prove why the Trinity was true and prove why creation was true and prove why, uh, why the Bible was true and all these kind of things. And now I realize I was just way off base on, uh, on my approach to him. But one of the things that he would often say half-joking is uh, he would come to me and say, Brian, I want you to apologize for the fall of the Roman army. And I said, What? And he said, yeah, Christianity destroyed the Roman Empire. 
And so you're to blame. And I thought to myself, is this really something that you want to put on my shoulders? Friends, is this really something that we want to put on our shoulders and say, I, I need to be able to defend why Christians who were said they were Christians, why they killed each other, why they commit horrible atrocities. Can we not just say, hey, sometimes the sheep don't look anything like the shepherd. So don't worry about the sheep, but follow the shepherd. There's a story of a, of a woman in the Bible. Jesus is at a well. The disciples have gone into the, into the nearby town to get some food, and he's sitting in the well, and this woman comes in the middle of the day, hot. He's, she's trying to stay away from people, and she goes to get some water. He asks her for a drink. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. She's just blown away that he would even talk to her. And they get into this dialogue, and he's trying to point to her to the fact that he can offer her living water. He's trying to point her to a relationship with himself. And what happens is that in the middle of this, the woman gets a little edgy. She finds herself realizing that this conversation may be going in a direction that she's not comfortable. And so she tries to throw in a curveball. She tries to throw in an argument and says, says this, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews to claim the place where we must worship is over here in Jerusalem. Has nothing to do with what they were talking about. Is completely a smokescreen, and yet she's trying to move the conversation away from the vulnerable, away from the relational side of Jesus, into this theological aspect, into this argumentative proof issue. And the fact is... That Jesus totally brings it right back and says, go, tell people about me. As Christians, Jesus tells us to follow him and to help others follow him. When you kind of boil it all down, we are to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus. So I want to suggest to you a different mentality, other than the us-them mentality that we can often get kind of trapped into. I want to invite us to think about it this way. If you just draw a circle in the middle or draw, draw a dot in the middle, label it Jesus, and then put dots around it. It doesn't matter whether they're close or far away from Jesus. It doesn't matter their distance. What really matters is we then put an arrow, a directional sign. And we put the arrow to show which way people are traveling. Are, are people moving towards Jesus to follow him, or are people moving away from Jesus? Because see, you can have someone really close to Jesus moving away. They're not a Christ follower. You can have someone long ways away from Jesus, but they've heard and they believe and they now want to follow him. And so they're moving in the direction of following Jesus. When we think about this approach, it doesn't matter what they call us. It doesn't matter what label we put on ourselves. It doesn't matter what categories we put on ourselves. What really matters is, are we following Jesus? This week I had an email conversation with a, a pastor, actually, in this, in this area, because I had written out this thing uh, about solemn assembly, which is in your bulletin. And I had I'd written out um, followers of Jesus Christ, 
that we are gathering together as followers of Jesus Christ. And this guy wrote back and he said, followers of Jesus Christ, is that like a newfangled way of saying Christian? And I I wrote back and I said, well, this is what I mean by it. I find that when I use the word Christian, although it should mean little Christ, it usually comes with a lot more baggage in our culture. People have been raised in the church, and so they call themselves Christians. People are white, and so they call themselves Christians. When the census comes around and they need to check a box, they say, well, I'm Christian because I'm not something else. But the problem is that most people who might call themselves Christians are not necessarily followers of Jesus. And so for myself, I've decided to start saying Christian a lot less and start saying I want to be a follower of Jesus or a Jesus follower. Even more than that, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And so the first question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I following Jesus? Because that's the first thing that we have to do. If I'm not following Jesus, then I can't help someone else follow Jesus. So I need to follow Jesus in my life. And then Jesus calls us to make disciples, to make followers who follow him where he's leading. Number two. Number one was don't try to prove, defend, or argue Christianity. Number two, don't try to sell Jesus. Right off the bat, can I just totally admit that there have been times in my life where I have been guilty of trying to sell Jesus? Where I've been trying to get someone to, to be interested in Jesus, and so I make Jesus sound really, really, really good. And I put the cover up on him, and I Photoshop him a little bit, and I make him into something that he's not. Not intentionally, but to try to be persuasive. And the fact is that Jesus doesn't need our help to make him look good. Jesus doesn't need our help to make him look good. In fact, I think it might be a little offensive to Jesus if we need to try to sell him. Imagine for a second, I have a young daughter. Imagine my daughter, Liberty, she grows up. She moves out into college. She's, she's finished college, and I think to myself, you know what? She needs to find herself a husband. And so I put it on my plate to find her a husband. And what better way to find her a husband than to put a billboard up, right? And so I get a picture of her. I couldn't find a really good picture. And so I get her her driver's license picture. It's good enough, right? (laughs) And then I write something on here like, beautiful young girl looking for rich husband who's willing to financially take care of her father. <laughs> and I put all these things that I try to you know, encourage someone to like date my daughter. When Liberty looks at this billboard, is she going to be excited? No. Is she going to be happy that I, that I have, have taken the initiative to make her look good? No. And so if we wouldn't try to like sell someone that we love... Why should we try to sell Jesus? In fact, in the Bible, Jesus is not always attractive. Jesus is sometimes quite offensive. In the Bible, Jesus 
lays it out straight for people. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. His teachings are not easy. His lifestyle is not easy. In fact, when, his, uh, when talking to his disciples, he says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. In another spot, there were these people who were coming to Jesus and they said, I want to be your follower. And Jesus says, you know what, I don't have a place to lay my head tonight. I want to be your follower, but I just need to do this thing first. Don't worry about your priorities, come and follow me. Jesus doesn't sell himself. He is willing to let people walk away, and many people did. As Christians, we need to not try to sell Jesus. We need to introduce people to Jesus. We need to point to Jesus with our lives and in our words. And to say, hey, I want to tell you about someone who has changed my life. And leave it there and leave it with them. And help them to understand Jesus. Help them to read about Jesus. Help them to to wrestle with the hard teachings of Jesus. Help them to make the decision to surrender their life and their preferences and their, their control and all those other things that Jesus asks us to do. Number three, don't get caught up in theology. Let me preface this for a second. Theology is good. Theology is the study of God. It's those categories, it's those belief systems that that we put into categories. This church has a statement of faith, this church has theology. Those are good things. But I want to suggest to you that theology is not the most important thing at the beginning. Theology is good for the person who's already following Jesus. Theology is good for the person who says, I want to follow Jesus, how do I do that in my daily life? There's a big difference in the Bible between Jesus and Paul. Paul is writing to Christians, the documents we have in the Bible that were written by Paul, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to churches that are already following Jesus and not doing that very well. They're messing up. And so he's saying, okay guys, let me explain to you what has happened in my life? What, let me explain to you what has happened in your life now that you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Now that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Now that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, he's the one in control, not you. Now that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, we need to be living in the spirit, not in the flesh. And so he, he, he unpacks these things. And they're helpful and they're good. Once we come to Jesus. But when we back up, Jesus doesn't get into theology. He doesn't get into how do you understand the Trinity. He doesn't get into how do you understand sanctification. How do you understand the atonement. He doesn't get into those things. He presents himself as the Lamb of God. He presents himself as the one to forgive sins. He presents himself as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the one who is going to save the world. And he doesn't unpack a whole lot of that. He just says, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And I want you now to follow me and to trust in me. 
in our scripture passage that we read a little bit a little earlier, Paul says this, and I think this is bringing it right back. He says this, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He didn't come with all these theologies and all these beliefs and all these systematic approaches. He says this, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, when Paul went and he started a church, he didn't start with, here's a textbook and this is everything you need to believe. He started with, this is who Jesus is. And he loves you like crazy and he died for you and he rose from the dead. And because of his love, God's love in Jesus, we can have eternal life and we can have a fresh start. Paul starts with Jesus. And then he moves on when people are ready. I want to just close with this this encouragement. Everything that that I've just talked about in the last little bit should be good news for us. There may be some people here who are maybe getting a little defensive and may be saying, yeah, but Brian, I really like theology. I really like theology too. But Brian, I really like arguing and proving and debating. Yeah, I like doing that too. Brian, I'm not sure if I can just give someone Jesus. Let me just tell you, if that's all we have to do, if all we have to do as Christians is follow Jesus with our lives and then point to Jesus and help people follow him. That frees us up from feeling like we're manipulating people. It frees us up from having all the right answers. It frees us up from thinking that we're good enough or that we're mature enough or that we know enough to show someone Jesus. And I know that those are big concerns for many of us. Instead, I want to just invite you to just give them Jesus. To know Jesus yourself. To follow Jesus yourself. To point to him with your life. And to invite others to know the one who's changed your life. And then when the theology questions come up, you can go, well, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but let's, let's figure them out together. When the arguments about Christianity and, and all the atrocities come up, you can go, yeah, you know what, those are hard things, and, and sometimes people don't look like Jesus. When people come to you and they say, you know what, I'm not really religious, you can say, hey, guess what, no, neither am I. But I have a relationship with a man who changed my life. For I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When we can say that, we can speak about Jesus with so much more freedom than we ever have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to just give people Jesus. That we would unpack the burdens and the barriers and the restrictions that we've put on Jesus And that we ourselves would come to know you afresh. That we ourselves would come to fall in love with you afresh. That we would learn to follow you, trusting completely in your grace. That we would come 
to know and to introduce you to those around us. Thank you. Thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.